Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. Get ready for the next chapter in Oklahoma's longest-running fan-run pop culture convention. SoonerCon will be returning in 2024, June 21st through 23rd. Get ready for a weekend of cosplay, fun and excitement, vendors, gaming, and more. You can go to SoonerCon.com for more information. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. In the last episode, we recorded live at Fan Expo Chicago on a panel on the history of fan media, and this episode is a great extension of that. I'm sitting down with a representative from the archive of our own, and we're going to talk about how fan fiction in particular plays into the larger history of the history of fan media. Now, this is another episode where I had to record live and in public, so background noise is going to be considerably higher, and you're going to see that there's more digital processing in this episode than usual. But overall, I think it's a really, really fun chat, and I think we should get started right now. We are live at Fan Expo Chicago with Elsinore from the Organization for Transformative Works. How are you having a good weekend here? I'm having a spectacular weekend. Um, we are uh, at the fan table. Um, this is one of our first actually live events because the organization for transformative works has been around for more than a decade. Um, we've been mostly in online space, so it's nice to actually see our fans in person and get to kind of see everybody light up when they realize that, hey, wait, AO3 is actually here and I can meet people? Yeah, this is what people don't understand is that they're gonna, a lot of my audience is going to be more familiar with the output of your organization, AO3, the archive of our own, which if you're not familiar, is basically like the internet archive for fan fiction. Yes, so we have a bunch of different projects, um, but the most famous, the most notorious of them is the internet's largest fan fiction archive, uh, AO3, Archive of Our Own. Um, hosts a ton of different content for every fandom that you can pick up, and if it's not a fandom yet, uh, write a work and we'll make one for you. I'm going to confess something I don't think I've ever said before. Okay, I'm here for it. Dead. A long time ago, a much younger me thought it would be a good idea to make a fan fiction. This isn't the hard part. It was a Get Smart Friends crossover. I love that. And I don't know why I thought this would be a great idea, but it seemed to make sense for 15-year-old me. I, you know, some of the best things to read on the archive are crossovers that don't feel like they should make sense. Mm-hmm where you're just like, okay, these two fandoms, you're, you're, you're putting what together? And then it's absolutely brilliant. And there are um, some of the fandoms, like one of my absolute favorites um, is a crossover between Full Metal Alchemist and Criminal Minds. Okay. Now I've never seen an episode of Criminal Minds in my life. I know it exists. Um, it's just like, it's a procedural, I'm sure it's wonderful, it's just never really been on my radar. Um, and, but I love FMA, and so I've read a couple of this author's other works, um, and I was like, okay, I'll read it. It was incredibly gripping. I don't know why this works. It really shouldn't. But it's incredible. Um, or like, there's one of, uh, Darth Vader goes uh, hunting with the Witcher, uh, not the Witcher, uh, the Winchesters, okay. like from Supernatural. Mm-hmm. 
it is like a, a modern AU where it's absolutely meta, where like the Winchesters know who Darth Vader is. And it, again, these things should not work. But why does it work? And it's because that author, whether they're 14 or 84, they made certain choices that the reader's going to pick up on that kind of starts to fill in the gaps that really you just can't imagine filling in those gaps. And that's not a bad way to build a writing, uh, your writing powers. No, it's absolutely, and it's so incredible to watch this person's creativity and how they changed things or mush the universes together. Um, and they just make things so fun and so interesting and so gripping. Or it's utterly ridiculous and they're going for it. Um, and that's part of the creativity of fandom, uh, where you're just like, this is amazing. And you see the same thing in a lot of cosplay um, here at conventions, where you're just like, uh, I saw one a couple years ago where someone was a uh, mashup of Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat and Elsa. Mm -hmm. That totally works. But like, you never would have thought of it. And then all of a sudden you're, you're seeing Sub-Zero Elsa and you're like, this is brilliant. And here's the thing is that that's not, I mean, that's how you're going to get actual new stories that you'll want to make into books and movies. You just start running with ideas. Like People don't realize that in Japan, Power Rangers and Transformers were completely different than the way we Americans know them. They just, mm -hmm. it was basically a large corporate form of fan fiction. They just re-engineered it for this new audience. Yeah, the all of the Kamen Rider and Super Sekai uh, content, I mean, it was in uh, it was in Japan way before it came into the states, and then like the original Power Rangers that came to the states, all they did was they edited out all of the actual teenagers. Mm -hmm. They kept all of the fight scenes, which is why they don't uh, they don't make sense. They just redid all of the uh, the dubbing on the fight scenes and all of the villains, and then they ed they just you know put in new teenagers. And what's the difference? between taking out those Japanese actors and putting in, say, a bunch of American actors versus taking out the Japanese actors and putting in you and your friends. I don't see a functional difference. Ownership rights. Okay, okay fair enough, fair enough. But <laughs> I'm just saying, in terms of creativity, it's the same. Ownership rights. Okay, <laughs> I, I, but that does touch on a lot of things that people will think that you're writing a fan fiction for Star Wars, Star Trek, Supernatural, and you don't have the rights to those characters, but, and they think that that's going to get them in trouble. One of the things that the OTW is extraordinarily dedicated to is a that we are a non-commercial space. Um, it's so rare nowadays that you can have something that's not a side hustle. You, know, you start crocheting or you start hemming your pants and some of those, oh my God, you should put that on Etsy. You're, you're just allowed to do something for the enjoyment of it. Um, and AO3 is entirely non-commercial. You're not allowed to promote your Patreon or your Kofi or whatever it is. There is, there's no ads, there's no nothing. It is completely money. Uh, twice a year we ask for donations because we are completely donation run um, but we don't have any ads we don't have any tracking we don't have anything else we do not want to know who you are um, it is 
a commercial free space, which is so incredibly rare nowadays where everything is about your side hustle. Um, and then the other thing is that we actually, one of our main functions is um, our legal advocacy, where um, our, like, uh, we do, you know, we've cast a pipe up Congress and our, our appeal lawyers have written advocacy briefs about how we want to make sure that if you are doing something that is transformative and non-commercial, meaning that you are, you know, using somebody else's IP, but you're not making money off of it, that you're able to say, hey, you don't get to sue me because this is my art, this is my thing, this is my writing, this is my very cool crocheted scarf of a Gengar. Mm -hmm. And that manages to keep you under the radar of most of the major IP supporters? I wouldn't say we're under the radar. I mean, people know who we are, but we are... You're not getting nasty letters is what I'm getting at. No, we're dealing with the nasty okay. letters. We, we specifically deal with them. Um, and if you need to, you can contact legal at transformativeworks.org and even if we can't represent you, so if you're a, somebody out there who's writing such things and you get you know a nasty letter that might be more than just a, a nasty letter at least this is somebody who can turn to who can give you reasonable advice as to which way to go absolutely and honestly though because you're writing something and let's say you're writing a star trek fan fiction as long as you're not making money off your star trek fan fiction like you have every right to do that um, and that's one of the foundational beliefs of the OTW. Is that tends does that tend to be backed up in the real world that you know you can put that up on your personal website? Like I would have put my fanfiction up on my website way way back when. It's not up there anymore. But and I've never had any problems with it. And this was at a time when there was not really a clear guideline as to where the, the lines were. Well, and that's one of the things is we all used to put disclaimers in the front of our our fix that said. Fox, please don't sue me. We're afraid of you. That's exactly what I used to say. That, yeah, it is exactly what we used to say because nobody knew. Um, and then the, there was the occasional author who's like, I don't like this. Don't make, you know, fan fictions of my work. Don't make a fan art of my work. Um, but actually, even if an author doesn't want you to, you still have every right to do so. Um, and that's part of what we talk about. Um, but separately from that, when, um, like, and you can put it on our site anytime, of course, but you're talking about like when you used to have your own fan site, you know, a lot of those fan sites are going by the way of the Dodo because they were on Angel Fire, they were on GeoCities, they were on Netscape, you know, they, and no one's maintaining those old fan sites anymore. You know, the days of the web ring are long gone. Yes, they are. We shed a tear for the web ring. It helped in so many ways. It really did, because you didn't know how to find anything. And Google was not the monolith that it is today, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you wanted to find, you know, the next Gundam Wing fan site, you know, for instance. Um, just saying. Tiny Me was very into Gundam. 
then you could click the next thing into the web ring. But nowadays, no one's maintaining those. And so, you know, those websites are dying either because uh, the person's no longer interested or it's just, you know, difficult or expensive to maintain or, you know, there's been 20, 30 years of global pandemic, the person may not still be alive for whatever reason. Um, and so we're actually working on importing a lot of those old uh, archives into our archives um, and saving a lot of those old works. And including, um, we have a fanzine project that we're with the University of Iowa, where um, a lot of, especially the old Star Trek, Star Wars, um, Starsky and Hutch, you know, all the big original fanzines, uh, which are old fan uh, magazines that people used to mail out. Um, we are working on scanning those uh, and getting them, you know, digitized and then bringing those into the archive. And it's really cool to be able to go through and read things from like the 60s and then the 70s and the 80s and then even, you know, new track and seeing difference between like how the characterizations have changed, how the how fandom has evolved over the years. And then also really what's kind of stayed the same in the love of all of these characters. And one thing that I like to point out and that people will put down fandom, you know, fan fiction as this is this almost dirty little thing that the weirdos do. It's like, you, you don't get, before we had constantly, this constant stream of new installments in our favorite fandom, which is now almost all of them, let's not, I mean, there's not a whole lot of fallow fandoms right now. We kept the fandom alive by making fan fiction, fan comics, fan stories, and we would sell them at conventions or distribute them freely, or they would go out in the zines. And that was decades. Like Star Trek, for one example, was like when the show was canceled in the late 60s through most of the 70s and 80s, when they just started getting the movies on board, that was how they, they distributed new ideas, how they developed new concepts for how the ships could work. You know, I... Fandom specifically has always been kind of, it, you're, you know, you're saying, oh, that little thing, especially put down is like, oh, that's the, that's the thing the little girls do. Yes. Um, and and then it was like, well, you know, the, the ships and the war things are for the men, but the, the fan fiction's for the little girls. Um, but the fanzines and the fanzine projects that the... We call them our fandom olds. Um, and that's not a derogatory term. Like, we owe so much to our fandom olds that kept our fandom alive. Um, and the original, like, uh, track fanzines and things that uh, are now scanned in and, you know, readable, like, that work is so incredible and so foundational to fandom that, like, I don't know where we'd be without these women. Um, and their work was, like, it harkens back to the, the Penny Dreadfuls of, of the 1900s, um, where you have these little stories of, uh, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula, these, these dying horror novels. And, you know, and then it changes and evolves and goes into our, our sci-fi stories and our romance stories and our uh, 
across the universe stories and let's explore space and let's do everything and the the work of these women cannot be overstated and if you're listening to the previous uh, episode of this podcast i'm going to go into how the rise of science fiction in the modern era with the, the mary shelley and uh jules verne all coincided almost perfectly with the decline in prices of small print presses. It was a perfect marriage of, of opportunity when, you know, that's, that's why fanzines and sci-fi just seem to go together. It's because from the beginning, they were working together. It was two trends that hit at exactly the perfect time. And if you look back at who was running them, not entirely women, but a huge, huge majority of women were the ones running those fanzines in everything. Absolutely. And um, why would be called like uh you know women's like their pocket money their uh can't think of the word like their uh, like their little side stash I, I still can't think of the word i'll think of it in three hours where it's completely but yeah basically their their, their money they're put aside their little stash yeah um would always be like you know, able to fund these little side projects and things. Um, and you think of like, oh, you know, uh, Miss Homemaker, she's, you know, just working on the kids and working on the house. And then like, you'd have these side projects where, you know, I had these online, free online communities where everyone's uh, just doing everything by, uh, by phone or by uh, by letters and then maintaining these communities where now we have our, our web forums and discords and earlier before we start we got rolling here we were talking about the 90s when we used to be able to go ahead and just get our our new fix by sending cash and blank VHS tapes to somebody and getting that back as, as you know new episodes of your favorite show and this worked, which is something people don't understand now. We actually managed to make this work. And it was definitely not something I should have been doing at age like 13 or 14, but it was almost impossible, you know, 20, 22 years ago in like the pre-torrent era to get new anime. And you couldn't just go on uh, Netflix or Crunchyroll to get, you know, Kodobo no Mocha or yes, Gravitation, I admit it. Um, I'm not sure if I should tell you to look it up or not. Um, I mentioned my Get Smart Friends crossover, so I'll, I'll, please, there's no, we're all friends here. Um, and um, so what you would do is you would find, you know, some rando on the internet and they would, you would send them, you know, some blank VHS tapes and some cash and they would uh, make a copy of their copy fan sub anime and you would hope that you got what you asked for and if you didn't you didn't but you got something enough cash for return postage and you would be giving some random on the internet your home address and hope that nothing happened um and you would get a a copy of an anime and that was the most reliable way to get anime uh until morpheus and kazaa and uh uh what napster Mm-hmm. Napster. Whole different kettle of fish there. And then, in the first days of torrenting, it was like, 
okay, what episode can we get in what order? And then you just watch in whatever order people were seating. And sometimes that was not in the order that you were supposed to watch. I remember when I first heard about anime was in the very early 90s on late night TV commercials when they would show this brief clip from Akira and you could, you know, send away for our copies of this. And I just remember thinking, if I'm getting hooked on this show, which I might if I actually order this thing, how am I going to get the rest of it? I mean, it seems like I'm just dooming myself to watching this one episode over and over again. Well, at least it was a movie. Okay, we sure. But I'm saying they offer all sorts of anime. Akira was just the clip they showed. Fair, yeah. No, Akira's spectacular. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Um, but yeah, and if you couldn't get a hold of the rest of it, you were just SOL mm-hmm. because it was so incredibly difficult to get a hold of. And the idea that now we're in a convention with seventy thousand people because there's all these people that love what you love, and you're walking down a road, and there's people who are dressed in you know, anime that you saw when you were, you know, 17, 15, uh, and you're like, oh my god, I know what your dress says, and that makes me so incredibly happy to see that you're a fan of what I'm a fan of. Um, or even stuff that I've never heard of, which almost makes me even happier yes. to see that, like, the that fandoms continue in ways that I've never even thought of. And it's that joy that you start to get people to you form friendships you swap notes and that's it's almost like a treasure hunt when you go through somebody else's interest like oh you like these three things i like but i've not heard of this one mm-hmm. let's talk about that we um we set up a, a board for people to recommend their favorite fanfic um which was an idea of another volunteer and so people are coming up and i'm like okay give me your top five fans we'll have something up here that you like pulling off a, a post-it note and handing it to them like this is going to be your new favorite thing and then we hope that they will also recommend something and so we have recommendations for all these fandoms three quarters of which i'm not in because we want to be able to recommend things for everyone um and if you're in jujitsu kaizen or you're in star trek or you're in starsky and hutch it doesn't matter because we have something for you and I've known, I'll be honest, I've not ever posted anything on AO3. That's okay. Just, it hasn't been my thing for a while. That's fine. But the people that I know, and these are some very good friends of mine who do post there, love it. They are passionate about AO3. It has sparked something in them, and they feel a very close-knit community sense. So I really want to spread the word about what you are all offering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we love everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we had uh, we had this like kind of edgy fourteen year old who's like I'm more of a Wattpad user, but honestly, like that's great. We don't want to be the only people in town. We want people to be fans of fandom. Um, we um, Ao3 exists for everyone. We love the people that post works. We love the people that are readers. We love the people that hit the kudos button. We love the people that comment. We love the people that send us. Uh, salty support messages that are like I hate the fact that it says you've already hit the kudos button and I can't you know send extra kudos and responses of course you know you could write kudos in the comments and then you write the comment but it just says kudos so it's extra kudos no okay that's a nice little trick (laughs) Uh, which is not the official support response by the way that's my response is Elsinore Um, 
but also, you know, I find the Yubori Lafkudos here hilarious. <laughs> well, Elsinore, we both have a big day ahead of ourselves. We both got to get back to what we got to do. We but do. I, I really appreciate you talking with me here. I want to help you guys out as much as I can. Where can people support AO3 and where can they find your stuff specifically? Um, so you can find uh, AO3 at archiveofourown.org. Um, and you can find um, transformative works. Uh, If you want to drop any socials or anything, that's great too. They can follow your adventures on the web. Uh, TransformativeWorks.org is our like official um, overarching site where you can find all of our different projects. Um, my uh, handle is Elsinore. Um, I don't write a ton, but it's on there. Uh, I have a Game of Thrones story and a Riverdale story, actually. Okay. Are they uh, the same story? No. Okay, just check. Uh, I do not have any weird crossovers that I have uploaded. I do have weird crossovers, but I have not imported them. When you said Game of Thrones, the next thing on my mind was, please say you're going to go Jetsons next. I don't know why Game of Thrones and Jetsons came to mind, but I got to think it over. We can workshop some. Yes. We can do that. I love weird crossovers. They are my life. Um, but anyway, um, I know you have a panel today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I will stop by. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of your convention. Um, the, the archive itself, you know, we are extraordinarily proud of the fact that we um, do everything manually. We don't have any AI, we don't have any, um, uh, like, automated software. We, if you write a story and you uh, write a tag that says, oh my god, I should have put this late, but instead I wrote this bit, we're going to see that on the back end. And we're gonna connect that manually to, I wrote this instead of sleeping. We'll never change your tag, but if you you hit, oh my God, I should have been asleep, you're gonna see everybody else's tag labeled, I should have been asleep. Um, and that's what we actually won our Hugo Award. That's how I like it. Uh, is the way that we build and maintain uh, the archive. Um, so we are, we are extraordinarily proud of that we do um, and also just we love the way that fans light up when they see us and the warmth that comes from fans who just love to spend time on the archive and they're like oh my god I have so many tabs open they're like same <laughs> same because um, they're just our people and this is our people so again thank you so much for doing this thanks so much good to talk to you I would like to thank Elsinore for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. This is a really important topic to me. I love hearing how fans get so inspired that they want to make their own creations. So I would encourage you, if you are a fanfiction writer, whether you're posting on Archive of Our Own, or your own website, or you're just keeping your stuff to yourself, let me know how that's going. Reach out to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com or follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Blue Sky at Aaron Bossig. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.